Good morning, everybody. It's your host, Mark Trimble, and this is the MK Journal Podcast. All right. It is Wednesday morning, and it is 78 degrees outside. Not too bad. Today, we are going to be reading and talking about the verses in John chapter 16, 17, and 18. Uh, So uh, sit back, relax, maybe uh, pull out your Bible if you want to follow along, and uh, let's dive into this. All right, so first thing I want to look at is John 16, verse 2. John 16, verse 2. Let me pull it up real quick on my uh, phone. Okay, verse 2, it says, I'll read verse 1, 2. So John 16, 1 and 2, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Okay, so the reason why this verse jumped out of me is because it's kind of a signs of the times thing. Um, Whenever I used to read this verse, I never thought that America would come to a point where this verse would apply to us. As you know, in many other states because of this whole pandemic thing or what they claim to be a pandemic they are requiring churches to stay closed not allowing people to assemble stating for health reasons now you may agree you may disagree whatever your opinion is I'm not here to argue that today what I am presenting however is the fact that there is an attack on the church of God And a lot of people don't seem to be realizing that. A lot of people seem to be denying that. But it need you need to you need to realize that that's what's going on. When they allow all of these other places where people can go and be close to each other and be around each other to be open and call them essential, but not call the church essential and not allow people to assemble there and be close together there it is 100% an attack on the church of God and Satan is using this pandemic this time when the government is abusing their power to hinder the work of God how many churches today are still not open still not being allowed to still not being allowed to assemble because of this whole pandemic thing and look how it's affecting not only the church itself. The churches are are losing people. People are backsliding. People are not getting saved. They're not going out going soul winning like they should be. Think about it. Think about the damage that this thing has done. Not only to our economy as everybody else is saying. But also to the church of God. And the progress of the church. Think about it. Truly think about it. Think about 
what could have been done this year for the Lord and how that's been affected because of what's going on right now. Our church, my church, Maranatha Baptist Church of Bethany, is uh, growing. Even throughout this whole thing, it's growing. And it's encouraging to see. But we did, this whole pandemic thing did affect us. Not as much as other churches, mind you. We're not experiencing the crisis that other churches are experiencing with their finances. And we're not experiencing the crisis that other churches are with their attendance. We have faithful people attending our church every Sunday, even when throughout this whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, we went to online services for a little bit and decided to do a drive-in service for everything. And we had members come and stay faithful throughout this whole thing. But going back to the to the main point of the verse, it says that there will be a time, Jesus is saying basically that there's going to be a time when you're not going to be allowed to go to church anymore. And then after that, there's going to be a time when people are going to kill you and they're going to think that they're doing God a favor. That time seems to be a whole lot nearer than ever before. The next thing I want to look at is in verses 22 to verse 23. So in verse 22 it says, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Verse 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. The main thing I want to look at is in verse 1. Under, I'm sorry, verse 22, it says, And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. The thing I want to see from that verse is, it's important for believers to remember, even though we go through all these trials and heartaches here on earth, one day we'll be in heaven. Take comfort. Take comfort in the fact that, yes, we are going to experience things here on earth that hurt, that are going to be hard to go through. And honestly, some of these things we may not even have experienced if it wasn't for the fact that we are believers. For example, trials and testings. Realize that these things are temporary and that, yes, our life may be... What's the word that I want to use here? Our life may be full or maybe not even our life may be pretty good, but we had a couple of rough spots here and there and it was pretty hard. But if I have to live a life full of heartache, full of trials, full of struggles, but after I pass on, I get to live in paradise and be happy eternally for the rest of time, on and on and on, forever, 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 I think that's a fair trade. In fact, I think it's even, it's more than fair. Because 
the average lifespan of a person is only about 70 years old now. So if I have to go through the, you know, whatever I have to go through for 70 years, it, it may not be great. It may be hard. But if all I have to do is endure and persevere through 70 years of that so that I could spend the rest of eternity with God in a beautiful place in paradise, in heaven, and be happy for the rest of time, that is way more than fair. And I think we lose sight of that as believers, honestly. I think that we get too caught up in this world, and myself included, I think that I get too caught up in this world and realize that, oh, hey, I don't have, I don't have the nice things, and I don't have the nice house, and I don't have the nice car, and I'm going through all these trials, and I'm the one that's struggling, and I'm the one that doesn't, you know, that's living, uh, that don't have, that I'm the one that doesn't have an excess amount of money, and I can't go out and eat all the time or enjoy or experience. I can't go travel around the world um, and do all these things. Yes, that may be true. I may not be the wealthiest person in the world. And yes, it may be true that I may go through all of these hurtful things and have these hurtful things and struggles and trials and, temp- and temptations and testings. I may experience all of that. But back to the point, back to the main point is that one day remember that we will go to heaven and be happy for the rest of our lives for the rest of eternity not even our lives for the rest of eternity we are going to be happy and I think if you live your life with that in mind you're going to be able to get through things that you would have never thought you were going to be able to get through on to the next point Now we're moving on to chapter 17. See, that was easy. Chapter 17, verse 4. I'm going to read that for you guys. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Chapter 17 is Jesus Christ praying to God the Father. And if you haven't read, ever read chapter 17, I encourage you to read it because it's something special. Something special about seeing our Lord and Savior pray and the, and, and the way he prayed and what he prayed about. Now, this is him talking here when he says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. But one day, I hope that when I get to heaven and stand before the Lord, I'm able to say those exact words. I'm a, I, I hope one day that I, that I am able to say these words because I have lived the life that God wanted me to live. I have lived a life of glorifying God and I finished the work which he gave me to do. Because that's really the existence of our life. That's the purpose of our existence here on earth is to glorify God and to do his work. So if you are not able to achieve anything else in this life but to glorify God and to finish the work that he gave you to do, man, I would say that you're probably the one of the most successful people in the world. Not because you have a lot of money, not because you have a lot of possessions, because you may never have those things doing that. You may never have a life full of luxury because of following the Lord and because of doing his work. You may never 
have be able to experience those things. However, being able to get back home in heaven and being able to say that to the Lord after your life is over, you are truly the most successful person and your life is would be a life full of success, of success and a life that you could be proud of because you did what God put you on this earth to do. Keep that in mind. That's something really encouraging to me uh, and something that reminds me as I, as I go on in life to, be, to live in a way where I can be able to say these words to the Lord when I get to heaven. All right. So on to the next thing, verses 20 and 21. 17, John 17, 20 and 21. It says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So two things that, I, that we see here in these verses. In the first verse, we see that God is praying for the believers, but not only for the believers that are currently on the earth, but the, for the believers that will be on the earth later on in the future. So he, he's praying for the people that will eventually be saved down the road through the gospel, through the spreading of the gospel. He's praying for them and for the people that are on the earth that believed him while he was on the earth. And he says that they all may be as one. God really wants his people to be unified in their purpose. One thing that I think we struggle with many times as believers, as assemblies, as churches, is we don't always get along with other churches. And we may be wrong in that. We may be justified in in the reason why. We may have differences. We may not all believe the same. Every Baptist church is an independent assembly of God. It's a local church, and, and, and God is the one that they have to answer to, not anybody else. So every Baptist church is going to be different in some way, shape, or form. It may be a big church. It may be a small church. They may be, believe differently than we do. They may be more strict. They may be more loose. Whatever the difference is, that, that may be the reason why we don't get along with them or why we don't fellowship with them. But really, that's not important. Us fellowshipping with them isn't the main purpose why we, why we are here on this earth and why we have churches and why we are believers. The main purpose of the church is to spread the gospel. The main purpose of the Christian is to spread the gospel, to glorify God. So, if I may... Let's be unified as believers in in at least one thing. Be unified in our goal as believers to reach the world for the lost. So even though you may not get along with these churches or anything like that, don't do anything that will hinder another believer or that will hinder another church or that may damage that church or, or anything that will affect the goal of reaching the lost. And same thing for other churches. You know, there shouldn't be any rivalries. There shouldn't be any fights. You know, the city shouldn't, shouldn't, it shouldn't be well known in the city that, oh, this church hates that church, even though they're both Baptist churches. No. Get along with each other. Strive with, strive with each other. 
so that you can both reach your city for Christ. That should be your goal. If anything, other, you know, you may not be able to fellowship with them because of whatever differences you may have, but at least strive together, work together to reach your city for the lost. I think that's what, that's what God is talking about here when he, when he's talking about the believers being unified. And that's all I have for chapter 17. Now on to the next chapter, chapter 18. Look at verse 2 in chapter 18. It says, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. So Jesus was at the garden when and where we went to pray. And we see here that Judas wasn't with them when they went to the garden, but Judas knew where they were because Jesus often went here. And I believe he often went to this garden to pray. So we see an example that Jesus gives us in this passage. He oft times went to this garden to pray. Now, if Jesus, the son of God, oftentimes went to a place to pray, how much more should we as believers have our quiet place to pray. If God spent time, even though he was God, even though in a sense he didn't have to pray to the Lord because he was God, he still did that. Why? For an example. And if you read in verse in chapter 17, you see the how he prayed. He prayed for other people. I'm sure he prayed for for strength because we forget that Jesus Christ was 100% human as much as he was 100% God. So he went through the same trials and temptations and testings that we went through. Even, In fact, it's even recorded that he went through severe temptations because the devil himself tempted Jesus in the wilderness after Jesus went 40 days without food or anything to eat. That's crazy. That, yes, he was 100% man and 100% God, but the devil himself went over there to, to tempt him. Jesus has gone through everything that we've gone through here, uh, that we'll go through here in our lives. God doesn't command us to do things that he himself doesn't know how that affects us as humans. So, if God, back to the main point, God is just basically give us, giving us example and, and telling us that, hey, it's important for me to pray. I make time out of my day to pray, even though I'm God. How much more should we take it as believers, as humans who rely on God's power in our daily lives? How much more important is, is it for us? to also pray to the Lord on a daily basis and find our quiet place of prayer, spend time with God and pray to him and ask him for strength and ask him for power and ask him for guidance and pray for others as well. So just take that for what it is. Pray, pray every day because it was important enough for Jesus to do. So it's important for us as believers to do. Next thing, verse 11, it says, 
Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Jesus was willing to follow God's will, fully knowing what would happen. Again, he is setting the example for the believer. The best thing for us to do is God's will. When you find out what God's will is for your life, what will you do? Will you follow the Lord? Or will you choose your own path? We may not know the path that the Lord has prepared for us or what may happen to us along the way. One thing that we do know is that being the center, being in the center of God's will is the safest place for us to be. You never run across anyone who has followed the Lord's will and has regretted it. However, you do run across people who chose to follow their own will and they often regret, if not every person who does that regrets doing that instead of following the Lord. My, this is something that my dad always used to say whenever he would encourage um, us, at, uh, the teenagers, to follow the Lord's will. And he would always say this. He says, you know, I've never run across anybody that followed God's will, that became a missionary, that became a preacher, that became a, a pastor, or whatever it is that God had for their lives, and they knew that what, that was what God had for their lives, and they followed that will to the best of their abilities. He never ran across anybody who did that and regretted doing it. But he did meet a few people along the way that knew that they were called to be missionaries, knew they were called to be pastors, knew they were called to do something for the Lord, and they didn't because they were too selfish and they wanted to do what they wanted to do. And they would tell him, man, I, I regret I regret not doing what God wanted me to do. I regret not following the Lord's will for my life. So, one thing we see in this verse is Jesus was willing, the Son of God, they are the same thing. They are the same person. Jesus is God. He was willing to humble himself and follow the will that God the Father had for him. How much more should we as Christians humble ourselves and be willing to follow God's will for our life? Let's move on to the next thing. Verse 25 and 27 of chapter 18. It says, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Well, now, we all don't know this passage. Peter denied Jesus three times. He even went so far as to curse to prove that he wasn't a Christian. Many times we give Peter a hard time for denying Jesus Christ, and rightfully so. However, I think that we think too highly of ourselves. Have I, me, have, have I ever personally denied being a follower of Christ? Regretfully, I think almost every believer has done this at one point in time. Maybe not in the way that Peter did, but in a different way without us even realizing it. So let me explain what I mean by that. When you are at work or at school, do you act like a believer? The Bible says that we are to be lights in the darkness and we are to be examples for Christ. You know, there's a famous saying that I, that I heard all throughout my life growing up. And it was something along the lines of, now I may butcher the saying and I, I apologize in advance. 
But it was something along the lines of, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. I believe that if you do not act like a Christian when you're outside of church, then you are denying Christ just like Peter is. When you are at school and you're being a rebellious teenager and acting like the world, you are denying Christ. When you are at work and listening to that rock music and cursing with your peers and listening or telling those dirty jokes that you're that telling those dirty jokes, you are denying Christ just like Peter did. We read in the Bible that Peter even cursed, like I said earlier, to prove that he was not a follower of Jesus. How many times are we guilty of that alone? I think we underestimate this. I think we think, like I said, too highly of ourselves. And we think that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a good Christian. I, I, you know, I haven't denied Christ in the sense, in the way that Peter has. I haven't denied him through my words but have you for sure you've probably denied him through your actions think about it think about how guilty we probably are of this fact because one we aren't all perfect you know just we all know we all realize this we're not perfect people so we're going to mess up but hopefully from hearing this through reading this verse, we are a little bit more attentive of how we conduct ourselves when we are outside of church or even when we're in church. You know, act in a way that at least shows that you're a Christian or at least doesn't show that you're not a Christian. You know, don't listen to that wrong music. Don't listen. Don't say those things. Don't don't tell those dirty jokes. Don't use those curse words that your coworkers or your classmates are doing or are using you know be set yourself apart be an example you know be a light be the salt of the earth that Christ commands you to be I'll leave with this just know your purpose here on earth is to glorify God and if you're doing anything else other than living your life in a way that will glorify God, then you are not living your life right. The sole purpose of why we are here on this earth is so that we can glorify God through our actions and through the way that we live. So if you're not doing that, you're not doing it right. You're, li you're living wrong. You're li probably living in sin. I hope that this can be an encouragement to you. There's a lot of good things that I read in this these couple of chapters and there are a lot of things that convicted me as I was reading, especially this last part when we were talking about Peter. That's going to wrap it up for today. I, I hope this was an encouragement to you. I hope that you're, you guys are all going to have a wonderful day. Remember, other people are watching you. So live a way that will glorify God. Goodbye, everybody. God bless.